how many cows he was bringing, but the story was that he'd bought the valley as swampland, bought it for a song from a swamp angel who had finagled thousands of acres from the state of Oregon for less than a song. If the story was true, Lacey Markham was wrong, for Sage Valley was not big enough to give both homes to Kansas farmers and range for a rancher's stock. Dave put the thought from him. Tomorrow was another day. Today was Dave Logan's day, unstained by threats that might be no more than false whispers. He looked down at the valley, silver where the sun was bright upon the sage, purple below the eastern rim where morning shadows clung with stubborn persistence. He looked beyond to the black barrier of the mountains and shook his head, gaze dropping again to the valley. He hated mountains. They closed about him and imprisoned his mind within the confines of canyons and forest. This was Dave Logan's valley. He looked at it and loved it. Here were broad horizons where his thoughts could range from a boy's fantastic dreams to the hard realities of a man's future. There was both boy and man in Dave. He was man when he thought of Nan Romney, picturing himself married to her. In that picture was a house and ranch, horses and cows. He did not place it exactly, but it must be in the valley where the wind breathed unchallenged across the gray-green flat. Then the dreams would fall apart, for he was a boy again. A man would talk to Nan, tell her of his plans, tell her he loved her. But the words would not slip off his tongue when he was with her. He put his buckskin down the twist and trail to the valley, suddenly ashamed. He could talk to her mother, but when he was alone with Nan, his thoughts became fuzzy, his tongue anchored, an embarrassment touched its torch to his cheeks. He reached the Romney house with the sun at mid-morning high, gave his buckskin a drink at the trough, and loosened its cinches. He felt the touch of a damp wind from West Lake. The lake smells came to him. He heard the steady wash of the channel, the rustle of the tools. A mallard shot by to skid into the water below the bridge. Then Mary Romney called, Come in, Dave. It's been a long time. Dave led his horse to the rack. Been busy, he said, and got the corn in, but reckon I wasted my time. Corn won't do nothing here. Dave tied his horse and walked up the path to the house. Mary Romney held the door open for him, a smiling, beautiful woman. There was much Dave did not understand about her, why she was never referred to as Mrs. Romney why his mother hated her and called her a bad woman, why the saloon man and sage winked when her name was mentioned. To Dave Logan, she was the finest woman in the world. Involuntarily, he compared his mother to her, her round-bosomed attractiveness making his mother seem as barren of life as a stick figure. People have to learn by doing in a new country, Dave. She closed the door behind him. Cookie day. I bet you smelled them bacon clear down into Logan Pocket. She stood close to him, looking at him as if she considered him a man.
woman smell, a strong fragrance about her. He stepped away, feeling his face go hot. At that moment, he was a boy with a man's body, and shame clutched his middle. No, ma'am. I just thought maybe you needed some wood cut. Sobering, Mary looked down at her hands. They were calloused and hard, her fingernails split. She had kept her face as pretty as when she had come to the valley. Her expensive clothes were in good repair. She spent hours brushing her long yellow hair until it held the gloss of silky gold. But her hands were a farmer's hands. It would be nice, Dave, she said quietly. All the cookies you can eat. Is that a fair bargain? Fair enough, he said, and went on through the front room into the kitchen, walking on tiptoes because he always felt uneasy in Mary's front room.